this is the Brian Dowd Music Lounge coming to you from a very rainy day here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. All things Nashville, music, sports, local beers, local events. We have two very special guests on the show today, two of my very good friends. They are extremely talented musicians, Thomas Wynn of Thomas Wynn and the Believers and Hannah Harbour of Hannah Harbour and the Lionhearts. Really excited to have them on the show today. We're going to start off with Thomas's thoughts on the Orlando music scene and Hannah's thoughts as well. What are your thoughts on the Orlando music scene and what are the advantages and disadvantages of, of, of being in Orlando as, as a musician, you know, trying to move forward in the industry, would you, would you say? You've been here longer. I have. Um, yeah, I grew up in Orlando. And I started going to shows when I was like 13 over at Will's Pub. I lived almost across the street from it, uh, stone's throw away. Uh, behind it, and they'd have all ages shows every now and again, and I would go. And then I started a band at like 14, and it didn't matter if they were all ages anymore. We just started playing shows, um, and it was you know, it was a cool scene. I thought it. I thought at the time that it was as good a scene as anywhere else. But I hadn't been anywhere else. I just <laughs> thought, you know, uh, they seem to be treating me okay. Like, this is a great scene. And I still think that. And I've been to a lot of places now. Um, and I still think that, and it may be because I'm a native and have been around the scene for a long time. And thankfully people respond and enjoy my music. Um, but I also think that there are a lot of uh, uh, mediocre bands that people still enjoy and go to. Uh, like, the scene is um, appreciative of music and it's okay that you're not great right now. We'll still go support you. You know what I mean? And it's a good, uh, uh, what's it called? Pressure cooker. You know what I mean? They can help you. They can help you in what would have taken years and years and years. They can say, you're good enough to play a better show. You know? Um, in just a few months. We'll give you that chance. I think, at least with when Hannah first came here, she didn't know very many people, but she was good, and so they said, yeah, you can have better shows, yeah, you can have better shows, yeah, you can have better shows, and supported you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and I think as a as an outsider, so I've only, I've been here five years now, and um, I will say that my experience was... Um, so positive from the get-go. Uh, thank you, Joseph Martins, if you listen to this. He was the first person to give me a gig here in town. Um, and I I don't know what it might be like for somebody who might um, move to Orlando and not know at least a handful of people, what they might think of the music scene right off the bat or um, what they might be exposed to first. Like, what would be your go-to resource? The Orlando Weekly or, like, a Facebook page or I don't know. Um... For us, it seemed like right away there were some hot spots that we were at all the time, um, and that included Will's Pub, of course, and Tanqueray's, and um, you know, here in Sanford there was West End that you were coming to. That was before we lived in Sanford, but so I don't know as for someone who would first move here and not really maybe know anybody, but um, I will say that I only knew a handful of people at the time, and it was like immediately I had this family of musician friends, you know? I think Orlando is really spectacular in that way. I've only lived in a couple other places, um, so I can't like speak to what it's like everywhere, but maybe we're not rare in that, but we're good at it. Um, and so I'm proud to be part of that family. Here are Hannah's thoughts on the art of songwriting. You know, there's 
there's a fine line as a songwriter where you always want to tell the truth, but it's not always your truth. Sometimes it's truth that you've gleaned from somebody else's story or um, just something in general. And so it was important for me when I started to think about having a band to not hold so tight to the songs in the way that I had heard them as finished in my mind, but to allow other people to kind of sonically add to what they heard in that song or what touched them. Um, so I think it's partly that you got to pick the right players to be on stage with that to Makes add sense. those things yeah. in, but also to realize like sometimes maybe we are too personal when we write a song and the best way um, to kind of get somebody else to maybe feel what you felt is to shut up and just let the music do the talking in those moments. And, you know, I don't get the chance to do that with every song and maybe some songs it doesn't fit, but the ones it does, those are the moments when I really feel like sometimes I've said more than what I've even said with words, you know? Right. Um, and yeah, I'll pat you on the back for that all day long for being a part of that with me. I think that was something that was really fun. Yeah, I certainly enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, I think as a drummer building, you know, from, from coming from my perspective, joining up with a songwriter and when it comes to a band element, yeah. you know, and, and having the ability to, to create off of a song that's already kind of been written and try to create the vibe and try to kind of like capitalize on what's already there, but try to, you know, take it to some other place right. is a really fun thing to be a part of, I think. Absolutely. Uh, but what would you say, Thomas? Uh, I agree with both of you. I think... Um, you had said something, Hannah, that uh, right at the beginning you said, as a songwriter, you just want to tell the truth, whether or not it's your truth or the truth of anything. Um, and then at the end, that maybe you said more than you even did, could with words, with the music. Um, and that's my goal entirely, uh, that music... Some, I mean, a lot of my friends have no idea one sentence of lyrics in any of my songs. <laughs> I don't know what do, he's saying. They might be wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it sounds cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just being yeah. honest. Yeah. Uh, but they love my music mm. uh, because they still feel, hopefully, the thing that I'm trying to represent painstakingly through the writing of my lyrics but then realizing that that may not always be the medium that touches people first last or at all um, hopefully though when they listen in the confines of their car or the gym or their house or whatever the, the lyrics can start to seep in because they do matter they are important um but the music is just as important, if not more, you know. And uh, you're always, as a musician, hopefully I can say this, we're always trying to uh, do the best that we can, you know, and be the best musicians that we can. And so that means giving ourselves. And if anyone gives of themselves wholeheartedly and purposefully, another person can feel that. Here Thomas talks about setting goals as a musician. You know, I've been doing, I've been playing out for over half my life. And for a long time, um, never really had, never really said what I wanted, never really put out there the goal. Fear of failure, fear of success, you know, um, both of those things can be just crippling mentally. If you're looking at someone else to set the bar of your success, then you're never going to get there because uh, they are someone else. Mm -hmm. You are you, you know, and, and the design for your life can be set by you, you know, and 
so now, and trust me, I still go through uh, phases of crippling doubt and crippling uh, fear, you know. But thankfully, they're fewer and farther between, and thankfully, the duration of them is less and less. But the goal is now to be, like you said, the best musician I can be and let success in whatever way, uh, I, guess, I guess success in the way that the world would define, uh, define success, which would be money, uh, fame, um, let that just come as it does. You know what I mean? And maybe no one will ever know my name more than they ever do. And maybe I won't ever make another penny. But is that, does that mean that I won't be successful in music? And I don't think it does anymore. You know, I think that success in music can come from do I love it? And if I love it and I'm able to do it, then that's successful. Well, that's a great way to look at it. I think there's a freedom. That comes when you come to that realization that it's like, okay, well, this is what I do when I work really hard at it. And, yeah. and at the end of the day, you can control what you can control and the other factors, you know, they will fall where they're going to fall anyway. And, and Hannah helps me out so much in that, you know. Um, I think looking from an outside perspective, I have, you know, I just, I got signed recently and have a new record coming out on uh, a label. And a lot of these things have kind of been taken out of my hands. I'm walking through them and things are happening and I'm aware of how they're happening, but it's a machine now that's churning. Right. You know, and I'm part of the machine, but I'm part of a machine <laughs> that's churning. You right. know, and so the left wheel of a car doesn't always know what the right back wheel is doing, it hopes it does. It should be the one driving it, but it doesn't always, you know, it can't be certain that it is. What are the major differences that you've found or, you know, the most recent times, you know, getting with a label and having, you know, the other part of this machine coming in to help out with, you know, the million things that there are to do as far as trying to be a successful artist. What are the things that you found that are really helpful as far as having a label as compared to when you didn't have a label? I hate to say it, but capital. Um, now you can. There are uh, a lot of ways nowadays to make excellent recordings for not that much money. But when you have a little bit of money, and you're able to hire, it's the infrastructure too around that money. Yeah. yeah, it's not just the dollar signs, but I get what you're, where you're going. Sorry. Yeah, well, no, with but with the capital, and it's the capital and the clout, you know, with the capital and the clout of the label, we were able to call producers that otherwise would have said, I don't care how much money you have. I don't know who you are or who you're represented by. Right. And with the capital and the clout of the label we were then able to call those producers and then listen to the music and go, yeah, I'm interested in that. Yeah, I'm interested in that. Yeah, I'm interested in that. And then we were able to pick, you know. Um, and that is just excellent. What would you say, you know, when going off in, in that direction, when you picked who you wanted to work with, as far as let's go with, you know, picking your producer, you know, as far as with, what you've done in the past and I know you take a lot of care into your songwriting and into the development of your songs I'm sure live and also into the studio you've done it for years and years did you notice a big difference when you went in this last time in Nashville to work with this producer uh, did, did you think wow like these are things that I've never thought of that this producer is, is suggesting uh, and if so what were maybe some of those things that just kind of blew you away about this producer that you worked with absolutely um... You know, we, we took a month, which was something we had never done. 
um, and we had our families with us for part of the time. You know, thankfully my wife was able to be there the whole time with my son, and um, having having the ability and the the infrastructure to do that just made the entire experience much better. Um, also, to be able to leave home. Excuse me. Let's redo that sentence. You that <laughs> Edit. <laughs> also, to be able to leave home um, and for a month be away from your jobs, be away from everything on the home front that tackles you um, and just focus on we're going in the studio every day and going to work all day long and spend hours and hours. We'd get in there and Vance, Vance Powell, producer over at Sputnik Sound, <laughs> um, and Michael Fahey, they're great. Michael's Vance's assistant. Vance would have us play for two or three hours in the morning. We'd know what song we were going to do or two songs we were going to do. And we'd play the song for two or three hours, and he's just getting tones you know, for for each song, getting getting tones on the bass drum, getting tones on the snare drum, getting tones on every drum while we're playing, getting tones on the guitar. Then you know, I'd go in and I'd hear it and go, "Man, that sounds amazing!" Or, or let's you know, uh, let's try this now. And he'd say, "Let's try this now, and let's try this now. Let's bring in a cardboard box for the bass drum." You know, he, it, the thing that I learned with Vance is that no, literally no idea is a dumb idea. If we have the time, I mean, we had the time and had the room, it was our studio for the month, let's just try it. Let's just try anything we think of. It's cool to have that freedom. Yeah. You know, um, no, no restriction. And that's pretty rad. You Super know. rad. Um, Vance is a producer. He's not a musician, but he's one of the best musicians I know. You know, he can't physically play instruments, but he knows instruments better than a lot of musicians. You know, knows what an instrument can do and how an instrument should sound. And if you're playing it well. So how does you know? someone like that that actually doesn't play the instrument but has a really good knowledge of you know, how it should sound or in his head what might sound really cool for a certain part. And in both of your experiences recording, how has a producer been able to explain to you if you're playing guitar or piano or singing? Like, well, explain to you how to... Working with that. Vance was excellent because um, the way that he explained him his desire for us to get a certain uh, feel or tone was using words just like that i want this sort of feel and he would you know i want i want to feel like uh like rocks in a box you know okay or, or I certainly don't want it to feel like rocks in a box. <laughs> I know I don't want that. You know? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know? Um, and it was great. And it was like he just broke it down, everything into feeling. Uh, and that's, I mean, I could say I want you to play, you know, eighth notes and then a, a, a rested 16th note and you know, ghost notes on the snare, you know, whatever. We could we could use technical terms, technical like terms yeah. and you would be able to do it, but that still doesn't... You could play those things that I just said a hundred thousand different ways, and unless I said, well, play it with this type of feel... Right. then you playing those notes doesn't matter. I might miss the emotion. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. so the, the way that he expresses uh, or the way that he draws your Best musical thing. prowess out is only by expressing the way that he 
thinks it should feel or feels that it should feel, you know. And that, in my opinion, was a much quicker process than saying, we'll go from the one to the four to the six, you know, and then the, the minor two, da-da-da-da. Like, who cares about that? Who really cares about that? Right. Maybe it, may, I mean, maybe, yeah, you'd get a part better or, or, or you'd, uh, maybe you would memorize a part quicker, but you, you wouldn't get the feel from that, from the technical terms. Hey man, do you need a drummer for your next studio project? Maybe you need a last minute fill-in for a gig out in South Dakota at Rhonda's Barbecue. Or maybe your drummer stiffed you on Broadway because he had a family emergency. Well hey, you're in business. Call Brian Dowd. I can play anything from country, rock, Brazilian, sambas, or even that new cool genre they call Americana. Don't forget, next time you're in a pinch, don't even hesitate. Call me, Brian Dowd, the Stimp Man, Rhythm Section 2000, the Drumming Leprechaun, to bring the groove to you. The 2 and 4 right to your door, 407-221-2314. Again, that's 407 407- Two two one, two three one four, bringing the groove right to your door. I think one of the things that's always interested me the most about music, and it's so interesting, I think, talking with different musicians about this because it's, I feel like some, not some people, I think a lot of people think it's a really touchy topic, but it's it's just fascinating to me more than anything else is spirituality in music. And I feel like some of the music that have, has moved me the most as far as musicians that I really like have come from people that do admit that, you know, when, when there's that part during the show where it's like something like just hits you in a certain way or it's like really magical, they basically, you know, bring it up to, okay, this comes from some other place. Uh, you know, and obviously just like the hundred different types of genres of music, there's a hundred different types of spiritualities and different ways of looking at life. But with, you know, both of your pursuits in music, do you take spirituality to be a, a very important part of what you do in music? And do you think it has a big factor to the creative process as a musician? I think that kind of goes back to what I maybe said that very first question, just about the truth that like, um, ultimately I have a worldview that is, 100% shaped by how I feel about spirit, my own spirituality. Um, but what that means for the music that I make and what I want to identify with and how I want to live my life in general is just, is what I'm saying the truth, is how I'm living that out the truth. Um, and ultimately, like, does it provide a way for somebody else to have a connection with me? And that's not because I think that they need connection with me, but I need connection with them. Like there's, there's a certain element of humanity in general that whether you want to identify it as spiritual or not, we need each other. Um, and you know, there are people who are very strongly believe that, um, you know, creation happened. And there are people who very strongly believe that as the result of a big bang, we're all here and no matter what, but I think, both parties would agree that we couldn't do this without each other. There's something about humanness that requires other, someone else. And so for me, I really kind of latch onto that and what I do across the board in my life, whether that's washing the dishes because I know my husband likes to come home to a clean kitchen or that's writing a song that I think needs to be sung over people um, and in my own life. Um, I will say though that there's a there are two separate avenues in my life because... Um, I strongly identify with God. Um, I have a Christian worldview. And so there's a church element to the music that I write. And there is, um, you know, kind of just like the general re- music that I write. I don't like to classify something as Christian because I am one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that puts parameters on something that should be very free. Um, but I think that there is like a corporate worship entity to to why there's music in church. And so there are things that need to be said in that avenue that um, people need to hear. And so, yes, there are ways to to focus on that if I'm writing for that regard. But 
as a whole, um, I think that I care a lot more about um, just making sure that my life um, kind of speaks to, to who I am. And so, of course, my music's going to speak to who I am. But I would never want that to be just like so blatantly rigid that somebody else couldn't find truth for them in right. what I have to say. Right. You want it to be relatable. Right. Yeah. Right. That makes sense for sure. Yeah. Um, I think to, I think to, to think that you can take music away from being spiritual is false. Yeah. I think it's, um, innately spiritual innately otherworldly innately um, a conduit for something more than what we see bigger than us here yeah you know um, and for good and for bad uh, and that's why you know uh you can write lyrics of hate and the music feels hateful and it feels hateful you know because the spirit behind the words is full of hate and that spirit that uh, wrote that song fills the music with that and if you write songs full of love you can feel that you can uh, you know, it's tangible, in my opinion, tangible to me as the artist, as an artist, tangible when I listen to other music. Um, and that's why it doesn't necessarily bother me when, at, to go back to the first question, when my friends have no idea what I'm saying, it's okay to me because I know what I'm saying. And if they like it, it means that they feel the vibe and they feel uh, the spirit behind what I'm trying to present. Um, and, uh, you know, I love that my band doesn't all believe the same thing because, uh, and we have discussions of it sometimes. Um, as much as we can, you know, we all kind of know where each other stand and, um, and it's in everyone is kind of different, you know, uh, everyone's worldview is their own. And yet when we play together, I don't think there's a disconnect in the spirit. Because regardless of what uh, spirituality we believe in, we all believe that what we're doing is important. And we all believe that what we're doing can reach people in a positive way. Mm. You know? And whether or not it means that it would bring someone to just believe in goodness or believe in God, or believe in uh, whatever you would call God. It all, in my opinion, is leading towards love. You know, it's the bottom line. Yeah. So, you know, it's like that. Uh, it's like that Chris Farley, Paul McCartney skit. Oh, it's great. Yeah. So good. You think that, do, you think that's, do you think that's right? That all you need is love? Stupid. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and yes, of course. Uh, and, but, you know, I, I, asked my dad, I asked my dad about that song. Uh, I said, Dad... Do you think he was talking about a love of God or a love of 
um, a woman or a love of his friend. And my dad said, well, I think he probably wrote it about the love of a woman. But it doesn't... But now thinking about it, you know, and I asked him that when I was a child. But now thinking about it, when I love my wife, a woman, it brings me closer to loving my brother, my friend. Mm -hmm. And when I love my wife, it brings me closer to loving God. Mm -hmm. You know, so... Feeds off. How is it different, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think, too, like... If I'm going to say that... um, I love God, and I do. What's the best thing that I can do to honor that love for him is love the other things that he created, you and you, and love the spirit inside of you and inside of Thomas and inside of me that wants to write these songs, you know? Um, and I, so, you know, I think that, yeah, we both have those intentions, but it's doesn't have to use the same... I guess verbiage to get that that feeling across. Yeah, I think one of the things that's the one of the biggest mysteries to me is when I talk about, you know, creativity with with certain musicians is, uh, I would consider myself a spiritual guy for sure, you know, and and one of the things that really kind of blows my mind is is that music is such a uh, an art of of being open to letting things come into you, you know, like you know letting inspiration or, or words or whatever it is to create you know these amazing amazing things and and you know. I think for if you're writing a song or whatever and you're thinking of things or if for me if I'm playing drums and I'm trying to create a groove you know for me to just say like oh I did that is I think is just completely ridiculous like I <laughs> I obviously was given this ability from somewhere and I honed it in and I tried to work on it but I had to have the ability at first yeah. and that's the thing that I've always thought as a musician it's like you have to have the ability to do you know what you're doing first and that's why I've always been confused when Certain people say, well, you know, well, there, there's nothing else but what we're doing here. It's like, well, how did you create that? Or where did that come from? Or where did that come from? Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, I think that's a real magical thing about music. Is, Why does that melody speak to you? Right. Yeah. Exactly. What's in your, it, you know, somewhere your soul is being called to. Yeah. And if it's by the music, okay. But, you know, your soul... When you die, you apparently weigh a little bit less. Like, it's a real thing, in my opinion. And the music speaks to that part, which leaves when you die. You know what I mean? Like, the, 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 the part that you feel uh, speaks to that which leaves. You know, that, that wasn't in you... Before you had breath, it was somewhere else. The breath was somewhere else, you know, and then you had breath. And that's your soul, you know. It's an amazing thing. You did. Maybe I'm making no sense. No, I mean, I think it's pretty incredible to think about that, you know. Absolutely. Um, You know, as, as far as to, you know, we talked a little bit about, I guess, the music scene here in Orlando and kind of about, you know, recording your latest record in Nashville um, as far as moving forward with this year, Thomas, with the touring and releasing the album, what are we kind of looking at with all of that stuff? When when are you planning on releasing the album as far as a date and, you know, as far as touring, how's that all going to go about? May 19th is the day that it will be available in stores worldwide, which is pretty awesome. Super um, awesome. That is very cool. It is. Um, and... Then we're going to do a small tour right after that. We have a CD release show or album release show um, at The Social here in Orlando, May 20th. And then we have a string of shows um, right after that that will take us up to Philly, New York, um, Wilmington, Charleston, D.C., and a few others, and then we'll come home, regroup, and then we'll go out again in the summer pretty hard, and then um, probably for a month, a little over a month, 
come back, regroup again, and then do it again and just continue to widen the circle. Um, and after every tour, you know, uh, really take a look. Okay, where did we do well? Where didn't we do well? What can we do next? And we played with this band, just to get off topic a little bit, but really not. We played this with this band who's on our label around New Year's uh, called Simo. And they're excellent. It's a Is that J.D. Simo? J.D. Simo. Yeah, I used to see him at Robert's Festival on Broadway in Nashville. Yeah, he's apparently he used to play there a lot. Yeah, with uh, Don Kelly. Yeah, he used to be like the guitarist for, for him. But he's great. Yeah, He is. He's an exceptional guitar player. And he's on our label now. Um, and we signed around the same time. And they're a trio. Um, but we were talking at these string of shows that we played together. And he said... Um, he's, he said to me, Refinement, Thomas. Refinement. It's all about refinement. And... That was it. I don't know uh, the context, or he was work, looking at it, working on a new pedal. Um, you know, he was during sound check working on this pedal, getting some tones. And I sat there and watched him for a while, and then he said, Refinement, Thomas, refinement. And I've thought about that repeatedly um, because. No one is going to tell you better than yourself or better than your confidants uh, how to be better, you know. And no one is certainly going to do it for you. And if you don't have the thought in your head, refinement, um, let's make every show better. Let's make every time I sing this run tighter every time I play this solo with more feeling and more expressive and every time we play these songs uh, you know more powerfully or more in time or more out of time or whatever whatever you're, you, going, for. Whatever you're going for for your show for your performance it's about refinement here Thomas talks about the different dynamics that present themselves when you're playing solo, as a duo, trio, quartet, or even bigger band. I think when you have a big band, let's say more than four people, it, uh, it can be harder and harder to distinguish what everyone is doing. And so the bands that are good with more than four people, everyone has to be really listening and know uh, that the best thing is certainly not to always be playing. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to listen. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, just very, very truthful. With a trio, and I love playing with trios. I love playing drums with a trio. I love playing bass with a trio. I love playing guitar with a trio. Because you don't really have to do that. You certainly have to listen. And when things get cranking and you're all together, it is. it can be just as powerful as any huge band that's playing well. But there's also so much more room for people to play and still hear everything because there's not as many frequencies being taken up by so many there's not there's not as much competition right you know um, but then when you take it down to two people it's or solo the intimate intricacies can be heard and felt so much more clearly and singing with my sister, um, the vocal inflections and breaths can be heard. So much more dynamically, right? Yeah. I would assume. Yeah. When you can't, you can't distinguish that with a full rock band and, and you hear that Olivia and I 
breathe at the exact same time. You can't hear that. You know, it's gonna be hard to. It's gonna be hard to. <laughs> but when it's acoustic, you can hear that, and you can hear um, the ends of words and the 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 subtle uh, trills and movements of of the voice. You know, it's just two voices and an acoustic guitar, and I can finger pick when I play acoustic uh, with a duo. And you can hear that stuff. I guess I could finger pick uh, with the full band if we were that type of band. James Taylor does it amazingly well. You know, he's got a full band behind. Those guys are pretty good. Those guys are pretty good. But the, the, and the reason he's able to is because everyone is just ultra fascinated with what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And not themselves. It's you almost like an like ultimate that. form of musicianship. Yeah, Tedeschi Trucks Band is like that. They're somebody that I. They are, but they're loud as hell. But they all <laughs> really love what the other. They certainly do. do. And they keep getting bigger mm-hmm. in yeah, numbers, like which is incredible. People. And they still, I mean, I'm, they're not somebody you watch and you go like, I can't tell what's going on. They're whatever they're doing is heavenly. It certainly is, and if you had, uh, that was going to be my answer to the last question. Yeah of one of the bands that just brings a feel that's undeniable to me is Tedeschi Trucks. Yeah. I mean, anyone who says, oh, I don't like this band, I don't want to know. <laughs> Stay away <laughs> from me, man. Wait, can I have your tickets then? Thanks. Like, yeah, I'll take those. Well, I mean, you know, if you don't like that band, okay, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But... I can't understand that at all. I can't Where does that come from? I, I agree, because there are certain bands, like my favorite is the Beatles, but I, I agree with you. We'll take to that. I, I agree with you on that yeah. as well. Yeah, but it's like, how, how does somebody say, like, I, 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 don't, I don't like them? Like, they're not, <laughs> well, even worse, they're not good. Yeah. Because I've heard that of bands like that, I'm, I'm always confused. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's confusing. Um, and the only answer I have to that is that you must have, you know, big issues with yourself right because if you can't notice that if you can't soul hurt in there uh you know i don't know uh there's people i've i respect that uh don't enjoy the beatles and what i what i always think on the with that is that you must just be hearing the wrong song or uh, you know, have a stomach ache or something when you heard it. <laughs> Did you have a bad cheeseburger like for something, dinner or something? Something is wrong with you <laughs> that, that you have that reaction because it's just not... Or or it's like the shock value. Like, oh, I don't like the Beatles. Like, you're, you're only saying that for the response that you know you will get, which is, oh, yeah. you're insane. Yeah. Yeah. I like when people think I'm insane. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, that must be what you're going for, because that's uh, one of the dumbest things in the music world that you can say. Here we talk about New York City and what all it has to offer is one of the greatest music cities in the world. We both said New York. There's just, uh, you know, I like to quote Levon Helm every time I talk about New York from The Last Waltz. It's an adult dose, you know. Um, you go there and it kicks your ass. And you go home and you dust yourself off. And you can't wait to do it again. And then, then, you, then you go back and say, okay. And you get to know it a little more, you know. Um, and every time... Uh, it's every time you're there, for me, anyway, every time I'm there, I go, I would love to live here. And every time I leave for the next month, I go, I would love to live in New York. And then I spend my time away from it, and I'm at my quaint little city in Sanford, and it's real quiet. And you know, you go to a grocery store and drive your groceries home and pull right up to your door and bring them inside. Yeah, there ain't, you know. <laughs> There's no walk up. And it's a nice feeling. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And, and you go, maybe New York ain't so good. <laughs> and you go, yeah, you know, my house cost what? Oh, it cost what your 10 foot by 10 foot. Yeah. Closet. Closet. Shared a, yeah. sharing a bathroom and 
sharing a kitchen and no storage. I can't imagine trying to be a professional musician in New York. I mean, I every time I go there, I'm on the same page. I'm super inspired, but especially being a drummer, you know, I would imagine I'd take subway, your stuff around the subway. That bro. would just be wild, you know. Yeah. Um, super cool, you know, of an experience I think, but man, yeah, it would certainly I would think be pretty tough, you know. Um, as far as kind of what I was curious about, I guess the last thing that I really was curious about was looking forward and with y'all, both of y'all's experiences over the last 10, 15 years in the music business and having, you know, so many different experiences through the music business, what would you say are some of the main things that you've learned over these last 10 or 15 years? And what would you say are some of the things looking forward that you might do differently from having this experience of learning these certain things in the past? I would collaborate sooner. Um, I would tell my younger self to collaborate sooner and that uh, yours isn't the only voice that matters. Because when you tell yourself that yours is the only voice that matters, it ends up being that your voice doesn't matter at all. You know, no one else cares about it. Um, and really, you know, we all became musicians to be able to play with other musicians. That's yeah. what the fun is. Hear Thomas and Hannah talk about what they're looking forward to in the coming months and years as professional musicians. I'm so excited about these next few months touring um, in in the realm of that we're all a little older, none of us party anymore, <laughs> you know, not not to any real extent. We may have right. a few beers, relaxing, or a yeah. few or a few vodka sodas, Tito's, <laughs> uh, you know, but. If, just saying. Uh, <laughs> anyone? 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 <laughs> but but uh, it's a it's it's a business, but it's also something that I want to remember for the rest of my life. The times of going on the road and hanging with my family, you know, whether or not it's my actual, uh, whether or not it's my uh, bride and my child but my family of bandmates that it's fun, you know? And you hear stories of, you know, gosh, there's just a famous person, famous musician after famous musician after famous musician that, you, that we could both name, all name, that would openly admit to you, I don't remember years of my life. Especially with the styles of music we like. Yeah, some of the most, you know, and, and they would be some of the most successful years of their lives. Right. And they don't remember them, you know what I mean? Because of uh, poor choices. Or uh, choices that at the time seemed fun. And so now, it, it, I'm a little older now. I'm in my 30s. And um, staying up all night. And then getting up in the morning and driving eight hours. Is sustainable once. <laughs> you know? Like, I could do that one time. And then the whole rest of the tour would be awful. Uh, and so we don't do that anymore. <laughs> you yeah. know? 
We we play the show and we go to we go home. We have a beer or two and we go to bed. Watch Sports Center and call tonight. Yeah. That's right. You know, it's tough. And man. it's you yeah. know what? It's so much more fun. It's so much more fun doing so it that much way. More like, fun. You know, I'm sure when we're all younger, it's like, oh man, you know, let's let's see how many beers we can drink and just you know or whatever you know. And then you have to wake up at like seven o'clock in the morning the next day and drive eight hours yeah. for sound check. Or yeah. someone Ooh. has to drive that night. Right. Yeah. And then if everyone's been having fun all night. Well, you're not going anywhere. Or if you make the stupid decision to go somewhere, you're doing it very, very dangerously. Right. You know, and this doesn't sound like fun, sex, drugs, and rock and roll at all. Um, but to be sustainable. But to be sustainable. <laughs> it's the reality of the business. Yeah, it it's is. the reality of the yeah. business. You know, we don't, we don't have... Now, on the other hand, if I had a bus and a driver, maybe things would be different. Although I hope not. Yeah, probably not for me. I'd probably do the same thing. Because that's what's comfortable. You want to feel good and healthy, you know? Absolutely. I certainly do now. I'm just saying, put me in the shoes of a bus and a driver when I was 20. Maybe a different story. Would I have made the same decisions as some of the, as, as the people that we didn't name? Probably. You know? Probably. So thankfully, um, I'm getting the, opportunity to to perhaps tour for the rest of my life uh, in a time of my life that I won't take it for granted and won't have to look back and say I don't remember that decade I want to thank Thomas Wynn and Hannah Harmer for being on the show today two fantastic musicians a lot of great insights on the business Please check out the show on iTunes, download it, and rate it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.